Welcome to the Modern Mexico Podcast. I'm your host, Nathaniel Parrish. On today's episode of the podcast, we're talking about solar energy in Mexico. Solar energy could and should be one of Mexico's strengths. Overall, the sun is shining in Mexico. Mexico is one of the best potential locations for solar energy in the world. It has great sun with minimal seasonal variability. Mexico is well positioned to produce competitively priced solar generated electricity. In fact, over the last decade, Mexico has successfully attracted billions of dollars in new investment in solar energy. But investment in solar energy has stalled during the administration of President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador a controversial populist who frequently ridicules policy experts and often embraces nationalistic tropes. Lopez Obrador has given the green light to burning coal and fuel oil to generate electricity and has publicly mocked electric cars and wind turbines. And right now, in terms of solar output, Mexico is actually number two in Latin America behind Brazil but it lags behind some smaller countries such as Italy, Japan, and the Netherlands in terms of total solar energy production. Over the last decade, Mexican policymakers worked to draft legislation and create opportunities for private sector investment in renewable energy. And just between 2017 and 2018, Mexico received over $10 billion in renewable energy investment. And within the last few years, the total share of wind and solar energy in Mexico quadrupled from just 3% in 2017 to over 12% in 2022. So... To put that in perspective, the share of wind and solar energy in Mexico is still only around half of the share of wind and solar in the U.S. So if Mexico wants to achieve its targets for renewable energy, it needs to invest a lot in solar and wind. Mexico has a goal of producing 38.5% of its electricity from clean sources by 2030. But unfortunately, under President Lopez Obrador, Mexico has stopped issuing permits and canceled auctions for solar projects. Mexico's President Lopez Obrador has effectively cut off the flow of private sector investment in solar projects. Overall, during the Lopez Obrador administration, foreign companies have largely skipped over investment opportunities in Mexico when it comes to solar projects. So to discuss the current status quo of solar energy in Mexico, today we're speaking to Diego Rivera Rivota, a research associate at the Center on Global Energy Policy at Columbia University. So, welcome to the podcast, Diego. Thanks for having me, Nate. So, the first question I want to ask is, what three words would you pick to describe 
Mexico's President López Obrador's attitude towards expanding renewable energy investment and output in Mexico. That's not an easy task to do, but uh, let, let me give it a try. I would choose uh, nationalistic, hostile, and frankly, backwards uh, leaning. And let me elaborate a little bit on, on why did, did I choose um, these rewards. First of all, uh, one thing to understand of, of the current administration energy policy, and particularly related to renewable energy, is that it is based on an ideological and political component. It's a matter of power in which the state must dominate the energy sector, be it in oil and gas or in electricity. And I think in this context, uh, the AMLA administration has clear that the state has to have a domination in the energy sector and the extension of this uh, of the state, they said, as either of the two state-owned companies, Pemex or CFE. So in the case of, of CFE, uh, it's very clear that that's where they want to dominate the electricity industry, the power industry. So uh, given the, that the overwhelming majority of renewable energy, particularly when speaking about solar and wind, is in the hands and has been built by the private sector, uh, then we see that the, the, the view of, of this renewable energy is a, a sort of threat to CFE and to the control of the state. And so this takes us to our second point, which is a hostility to this perceived threat, which is renewable energy. And uh, this hostility has been based and has been the result of a decrease in cost of renewable energy, again, particularly solar and wind. And this has uh, been drawn for uh, a result of technological uh, progress along years, uh, long investment on, on this advancement, in which has meant that today wind uh, and solar energy are the cheapest forms of energy in many parts of the world, including Mexico. And since in Mexico, as in many other parts of the world, the electricity systems uh, work in a, in a basis of the lower cost uh, source of electricity being dispatched first, then that has meant in, in, in result that effectively solar and wind energy has phased out, has taken out of the market other sources of electricity that are more pollutant, but more expensive as well. And most of those plants, most of those old and efficient power plants are owned by CFE. So that means that the share of electricity generation of CFE has decreased as, as a result of that. And the answer of the government has been hostile because it has been a series of, of plans and attacks to the existing system and the existing legal institutional framework uh, that was lately drafted in 2013, 2014, and that was in power ever since. And so this has been, uh, you know, uh, attempted changes in the regulatory framework on the legal framework, and ultimately in a failed attempt to, to change the constitution. And uh, this has had mixed results, uh, but then it does puts in evidence uh, a lack of, of uh, appreciation at this regard to economics, to financing, to technical complexities, and frankly, of, of a disregard to anything that, re, re, that relates to that, right? And this, of course, means that it's a backwards policy. That means that Mexico is going in the opposite direction that the world is going on. And so this means for two reasons, a truly missed opportunity, because first of all, Mexico has absolutely outstanding 
uh, both wind and solar resources. And it's really, you know, we like to think of Mexico that has amazing resources, like that has been a, a permanent motive in different parts of our history. But in the case of solar and wind, Mexico truly has outstanding uh, resources. And on the other hand, it's a frank disregard to climate policy. As we know, uh, Mexico is a, a major emitter in terms of, of Latin America. And in terms of, of the power sector, it is the single most uh, pollutant sector uh, with about 20% of total pollutant emissions, more than transportation, for instance. This is data for 2020, which is the latest available. And this is a problem in itself because if we're to transit to a lower carbon system and to decrease our emissions, electricity is a main driver of, of, of such uh, decrease in emissions to electrify things like transport, mobility, and other uses. And if that electricity is not clean enough, that supposes a problem. Okay, so uh, in terms of Lopezor's attitude towards the renewable energy sector, you pick the words nationalistic, hostile, and backwards. And that sounds like a pretty negative assessment. But I know that over the last few years, we've also seen a big drop off in renewable energy investment in Mexico. In 2017, Mexico received a whopping 35% of all renewable energy investment in Latin America. And today, that figure is just 7%. So I want to know, overall, what grade would you give Lopez Obrador for his policies regarding renewable energy? Well, uh, Nate, frankly, that's another difficult one. But given uh, the numbers some of, of which you just mentioned, but also the number of, of projects that have not been built, and the stagnant result of, of renewable energy de de uh, development. I'm afraid that I can only give an F uh, to the, this government's uh, energy policy in terms of, of renewable uh, development, because not only has it failed to promote and to increase the investment and the development of renewable energy, but uh, the policies implemented by this government had uh, actively undermined a set of obstacles for the development of these projects. This has meant a lost opportunity for new projects, both solar panels, wind farms, uh, but also an overall higher cost for electricity in real terms, which ultimately means a misallocations of fiscal money, of tax money, that is uh, going to subsidies of you know, higher cost and, and, and more pollutant sources of energy. And uh, at the end of the day, it also means higher polluted emissions, both in terms of local air quality that Mexicans are breeding, but also globally in terms of uh, uh, greenhouse gas emissions that the world is, is affecting and it's, uh, it's increasing the temperature of the planet. So that said, this government has also uh, done some, uh, a, few, a few good projects. One of them is um, a positive one, the 123 megawatt solar power plant uh, that is uh, operational now in Puerto Peñasco by CFE. Uh, it is, according to, to the state-owned company, part of a bigger project of about 1,000 megawatts, and it's, it claims it's going to be the largest in, in Latin America. Um, I would say that this is a positive uh, development, but it's a rather lean achievement in, in an annual basis. And it is also built, unfortunately, in an area that faces transmission grid constraints, as is Sonora. 
Okay, interesting. So overall, your assessment of Lopez Obrador's renewable energy policies is an F. You give him a failing grade, and that's a pretty dire assessment. But at the same time, it seems like really Lopez Obrador is just not very interested in developing solar energy. And you mentioned the Puerto Peñasco project that his government is developing in Sonora and uh, on paper it seems great but in terms of the actual allocation of funding it's pretty paltry so far Uh, the first phase that you mentioned um, actually only cost around 400 million dollars so to put that in perspective um, Lopez Obrador has spent 400 million dollars developing solar in in the state of Sonora, but that's about 2% of the budget that he has allocated towards his flagship oil refinery that his government is building in his home state of Tabasco. So you mentioned this project in Sonora, but I'm wondering overall, when you look at Mexico over the last few years, are there any states that have really stood out uh, in terms of their ability to attract investment in renewable energy projects? Uh, well, Nate, as you rightly point out, the example of, re- of the refinery, I think that's a good one. That is where the priority is in terms of the administration, in terms of the speech, but also in terms of the financing. So that's clear where the, the priority policies of this government are. It is not that energy is not important. Quite frankly, it is one of the policy priorities of this government. But it is that type of energy, fossil fuel energy in this case, promoted by the state of enterprise, PEMEX, as I was saying first. In terms of uh, any particular states in Mexico that are succeeding, honestly, I found it uh, difficult because unfortunately, the investment, as you also mentioned, has stalled overall in Mexico in terms of renewable energy. It has rather been flourishing elsewhere uh, in Latin America. Examples of that are Brazil, Colombia, or Chile. Uh, another point to mention is that in Mexico, the legal framework and the regulations on the power sector uh, leave um, most of the heavy lifting on the federal government. And that is part of the just the structure of the grid arrangement uh, you know, the, the regulations and, and, and as I said, the, 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 the law. This is in contrast to other places of the world where the power systems are more federalized or more, have a more regional impact. A good example of that is what happens in Texas or in New England, the U.S., but also in some parts of Brazil or Australia. That said, I would highlight the case of Sonora. Uh, part of it, because uh, it, we have to, to mention it, it is a, a, a like-minded uh, state government to, to, to one of the federal. Uh, uh, governor Durazo is a close ally of, of President López Obrador. And also because it has outstanding solar resources and it has a um, you know, huge border with the U.S. So Sonora, I think uh, it's part uh, of, of, of a regional effort that has managed to, to score some achievements, including the Puerto Peñasco plan that we, we mentioned already but also a few others. And I would say like there have been some commendable efforts from uh, some states uh, developing their own energy agencies, such as Nuevo León, Puebla, Tamaulipas, and perhaps Durango that, uh, you know, have made important efforts. But honestly, uh, in terms of actual renewable output, I would say rather modest results. Okay, interesting. So 
I know that when it comes to nearshoring manufacturing in Mexico and cross-border coordination of production in the automotive, electronics, and aerospace sectors, something that I have heard is that Lopez Obrador is basically letting these sectors run on autopilot. Uh, he doesn't talk about these sectors very much, and he really is kind of taking a hands-off policy where he's letting state-level governments just try to coordinate their own policies on an ad hoc basis. And from what you're saying, it sounds like there's a similar dynamic to that in the solar energy sector, um, that maybe at the state level, the solar energy sector is just running on autopilot. So you mentioned Sonora, Durango, and Nuevo León as states that are trying to attract investment and develop some of their own policies, but we really don't see a big coordinated push from Lopez Obrador and his administration when it comes to attracting solar energy investment and building new projects. And with that in mind, I'm wondering, is Mexico really on track to meet its renewable energy goals by 2030? And if not, what's one policy change that you would like to see regarding renewable energy? Yeah, so Nate, there are two key goals to be achieved uh, by 2030 that I see. And the short and bad news is that Mexico is not on track to achieve either of them. Um, let, let's go to the first one. The first one is the share of clean electricity in the power system, in power generation. And according to the energy transition law, it should be 35%, 35% of electricity produced in Mexico has to come from clean sources. So that is renewables plus nuclear, uh, plus other uh, sources that we can discuss later. But essentially, it's uh, uh, renewables and nuclear by 2024. And then there's another high mark, which is 39.9% uh, by 2034 and 50% by 2050. So it's an incremental uh, set of targets as part of, of this law. However, uh, the intermediate goal of 30% in 2021 was not met. And we are certainly not on track to achieve that 35% by 2024. Nowhere close. Uh, actually, the last data source that I that I uh, calculated was 26% in 2022 only of uh, carbon-free sources. So not on track on that one. And the second one is uh, actually the national determined contribution of Mexico. This is an essential part of the Paris Agreement. And in that one, Mexico just increased its ambition in November at, at the last COP in Egypt uh, by reduce, pledging to reduce 35% of its greenhouse gas emissions by 2030. Uh, according to an article that Luisa Palacios, a colleague of mine and me, uh, we, we wrote, we estimate that this reduction, in fact, is 14% and not 35% compared to 2021. So uh, what it is a less ambitious uh, goal Unfortunately, the country is not on track to 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 reach it, and and I think this is uh, pretty grim news for for Mexico, um, that that put us in a in a very difficult step. In terms of policy changes and answers to that, I find two that are absolutely urgent and essential. The first one has to do with the transmission grid and the fact that it is congested, that it has lacked investment for many years, and that this is an essential. Uh, you know, is the is the avenues, is the is the highways where our electricity 
goes through across the country where it connects uh, the power generation systems toward consumers need. And it's in dire need of financing and expansion. And I think this is something that it's a first obstacle for renewable energy and cleaner sources. So that's a, a, a big example that, by the way, it's a task uh, uh, by CFE to, to do that in terms of on construction. CFE is the only operator of the transmission grid. And the second one is basically come back to the system of undertaking electricity auctions. This has been uh, proven to be a very successful scheme, not only in Mexico, but in many other places of the world where it has uh, broken um, records low on the, on, the, on the cost of electricity and also increased substantially the volumes of clean power going to those grids. And anywhere from places as diverse like Chile, United Arab Emirates, and to Vietnam. So those are two key policy actions that I would see Mexico should go back, increasing and boosting its transmission grid and going back to uh, electricity auctions. Okay, interesting. So it sounds like that if Mexico really wants to hit its targets for renewable energy production, it needs to attract and allocate tens of billions of dollars to renewable energy projects. But so far, Lopez Obrador has mostly funneled funds towards fossil fuel projects. For instance, Lopez Obrador is spending $2.6 billion to renovate the Tula refinery near Mexico City in order to produce 20,000 barrels a day of contaminating fuel oil that the state-run CFE will burn to generate electricity. And to put it in perspective, Lopez Obrador is spending five times more on this Tula project than the first phase of the Puerto Peñasco solar project in Sonora. And if we are going to see Mexico attract investment in solar energy, it seems like a lot of that investment is going to come from the private sector. And in a lot of cases, it's going to come from foreign investors. So I'm wondering right now, what's the outlook like in the private sector? Is there a sense that the lack of interest in renewable energy is a quirk of the Lopez Obrador administration? Or are foreign executives expecting policy continuity during the next presidential administration from 2024 through 2030? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, and the answer, I, I think it has to do that there's no way, there's no government big enough, uh, enough public funds to uh, boost and increase the level of uh, a renewable energy and expand the grid and, and you know, transit to a lower energy uh, world in the case of Mexico, and for that matter, if any country without the, the presence of the of the pro- private sector, it has to be a joint uh, a joint effort that the sort of like the International Energy uh, Agency has has described like about 60 percent of uh, total investment in energy has to come from the private sector and perhaps only 40 percent from the public sector. That said, I, I would think I would say that the common view in the private sector currently it's a it's a shared uh, sense of uncertainty, particularly facing the 2024 presidential elections, right? And of course, the big question is who the next president will be. And uh, I would say, like, regardless of of who the president end, ends up being, I, I see at least two camps uh, split on the on the private sector. Some 
Some of them are perhaps a bit of a optimistic uh, branch and others a bit more pessimistic. The optimistic branch, I would say, the, the optimistic group believes that they can weather the storm uh, that has been this administra administration and hope for a, a set of less hostile policies, whether it, the new president is Marcelo Ebrard, perhaps, or whether it's Claudia Sheinbaum. Sheinbaum. But in any case, uh, with more pressure from really the, the globe, the U.S. government, perhaps, and just as the world transits to a lower energy world, uh, lower energy systems, there is uh, also an opportunity of increased nearshoring, and this may mean a pressure on, on, on both the new government and the set of policies they will take and perhaps take a less hostile view. On the more pessimistic group, I think the choices have already been made, uh, and, and some of these companies have already decided to decrease its exposure to Mexico or altogether leave. And some examples of they are Enel, the Italian energy company, and most recently uh, Iberdrola, as we saw uh, how they decreased their exposure to Mexico and, and, and left a minimal process in the country. Uh, that said, I would say that I'm overall optimistic uh, on what may happen, because despite all what we have talked in, in during this episode, we do see that Mexico's main partners, both at the government and the economic level in terms of trade, are moving and are transitioning to cleaner energy sources. And because the Mexi Mexico's potential is huge, it, it makes it also more economically competitive. And in, in that case, Mexico's en renewable energy was already developing and some of that potential has been already materialized. It is halted now, but as the world changes, uh, we could see uh, either of the top-running candidates of Morena having less hostile uh, presence and policy to renewable energy when they are elected in office, and hopefully uh, that's the case. Okay, interesting. So it sounds like the solar sector in Mexico faces a similar outlook to some other high-tech 21st century business sectors. And it seems like overall there's a broad recognition of Mexico's potential to emerge as a solar energy superpower, but there's still a lot of uncertainty and pessimism about the current government's policies. And from what you're saying, it doesn't necessarily seem like the end of Lopez Obrador's highly polarizing government in 2024 will automatically end the current status of the uncertainty in Mexico's solar sector. So in some ways, it kind of seems like a mañana forever situation where there's a lot of focus on Mexico's great potential, but it's not clear if Mexico is going to harness that potential and take advantage of it in the short term or the medium term. But overall, I just want to say it's super interesting to hear your insights and hear your perspective. And I want to just say thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Nate, for having me. It's been fascinating uh, and I'm hoping to continue the conversation. So I wanted to take a short break to remind listeners that Mexico is known for producing some of the best coffee in Latin America. Total, in 2022, Mexico exported over $600 million of raw coffee beans. And 
One of the best local roasters in Mexico City is Nomade Tostadores. Residents and visitors can sample their high-end coffee at Cafe Blom in Colonia Juarez or the Bara Funky Cafeteria in Colonia del Valle. Nomadi coffee can also be purchased online and shipped worldwide. Check them out on Instagram. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Mexico Podcast. If you like what you heard in the podcast today, check out my book, Searching for Modern Mexico, which is available on Instagram. The next episode of the Modern Mexico Podcast is coming soon. Until then, hasta luego, amigos. Thank you.